Welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today we have our very special occasional co-host, Gwendolyn. (laughs) And we also have mics tonight. (laughs) Yeah, because we are all in person tonight, which is also very nice. We usually do the laptop in mic because we still have not quite figured out how to do mics while simultaneously having people come in on Discord. So I'm, I'm real bad at my job. Uh, yeah, if anyone can tell us how to do that, please email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing, Donnie. <laughs> no! No! Trap's wrong. Oh, funny. Um, anyway, today... Today we're going to be looking at Degrassi the Next Generation Season 2, Episode 19, which is called Fight for Your Right. Um, I don't... <laughs> I really wish it was Fight to Your Right to Party, because these kids look like they could use some relaxation, but it's not. No. Um, the only content warning I'm going to put up is, I don't think we're going to go too hard into this, because I feel like it was they were kind of throwaway lines in here. Uh, there's a little bit of ableism because inevitably there are Joan of Arc references in this, which eventually lead to Joan of Arc was crazy and heard voices. So I'm not going to go too hard on this personally, because I just don't have the energy to. (laughs) But I figured I would put a content warning ahead of time, because these writers are so insensitive for a show that's supposed to be about sensitive issues. (laughs) I mean, they do write these two really dumb boys, so... Oh, boy. So, Gwendolyn, my love, would you like to introduce our A-plot and our B-plot? But of course, my love. Uh, so <laughs> so our, our, our A-plot is, um, and this is why I'm on the this podcast um, episode, because it is about GMOs. Emma is, or, or genetically modified organisms. And Emma is on the warpath here to ban GMOs from being used in the cafeteria, um, which jury's out on even if they are being used, to be quite honest. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's getting pushback from the principal, and it's a whole tippy. Part B-plot B here we have is um, basically Spinner is dealing with some class issues with Jimmy. Um, Jimmy is, his family's very well off, and he gets some nice new things for his birthday, and Spinner's... He doesn't get a lot of nice new things. And there's some altercations that happen between the, the two of them on this concept. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's not a lot to this episode. No. No, there really isn't. There's um, just our own personal rage. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just... Uh, yeah. I mean, let's get to... I have a lot of feelings about the B-plot, personally. Okay. So I don't know if we want to just wait on that and go into the A-plot, but Gwyn also has a lot of research on the oh, A-plot. Oh, it's not much. But it's just, it's there. <laughs> I don't know. What are you feeling, Frank? You are the tiebreaker. Um, I forgot. What, which one do you want to do first? Uh, I would do A-plot first. Yeah, let's do A-plot first. Okay. All right. So let's do it. Um, so our A-plot opens up with Emma doing a mock uh, presentation for snake snake looks kind of comical in this he's wearing like these costume glasses that are like super thick like the lenses are like super weird and distorted 
and he's supposed to be playing Radich as Emma is trying to run this presentation, which is talking about the horrors of GMOs. Um, and it's, I found the acting in this scene to be incredibly awkward. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I actually, I found this scene kind of charming. I wanted it to be charming. I don't know, there was something in it that made me not quite into it, but whatever. Well, the thing is, I also think that that's partly a directing or acting choice. Because, like, this is their first, like, weekend alone, like, yeah. together. Yeah. Seemingly. And, like... Uh, Snake says, like, I'm not used to being in charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think here, they so in this scene, they're kind of role-playing. Um, Emma is doing a, a debate, practicing for a debate about GMOs, and and Snake is being the judge, essentially. Well, he's or, playing or the, Radish. The, yeah, Radish, the whatever principal here. Is that his name, Radish? Radich. Radich. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um. But so they're role playing this this scene out, which is I think Donnie maybe why you're slightly uncomfortable. But I think it's almost fitting because they're also kind of role playing as father daughter at the time, and it it's, made me feel weird. <laughs> but like they're they're figuring things out, and it's awkward, and that's maybe how it should be. I think I just have familial trauma, and I think that's yeah, that why might I be thought. it. That might be it. I was like, oh, I was like, I need this scene to be over. <laughs> But I think that's really my excuse. So please, please take my my criticism of the scene with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, like, you know, like Snake. Um, what I really liked is Snake. Just he he does like he. She's like, do you think I'm ready? He's like, I think you're ready for the UN at this point. Like, yeah, they've they've gone through it a bunch of times. He points out. Yeah. Um. And he's just like, okay, like, have you brushed your teeth? Like, you, you've done all the all the like lists of bunch of things that you know he expected her to do, um, like all parent things. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, get to bed now, or you're you're in detention for a month. And I don't like. I just found it like. He's trying. He is. He's trying very hard. He's doing his most okay. Um, yeah. Because, like, this reminds me in, um, this reminds me of two books, actually. This Lullaby by Sarah Dessen. And, I remember that book. Ooh. Um, where, like, the main character, Remy, talks about, like, yeah, a lot of our, like, stepfathers, they would make attempts at parenting, but they mostly left it to our mom. And, like, there was, like, one dude who just yelled at us, which was not cool. And then, like, it also reminds me of um, Susan Nielsen's book. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they also had that one boyfriend who spanked one of the kids. And, I like, I do understand, like, yeah, seemingly they've only been married X number of months. Not a whole year, because we haven't restarted the school year yet in season mm-hmm. three. So, like, yeah, like, Snake... <sighs> It probably has to figure out where he's fitting as a disciplinarian and as a parent. Like, cause that's going to take some time. And, you know, with Spike off at a stylist convention, which I <laughs> I did think to myself, I wonder what hairstyle she's cosplaying as. I know, right? I'm going to cosplay as a I'm straightener. I'm going to cosplay the beehive. Ooh. <laughs> but it's not like she's wearing a beehive, like... No, no, what? no, she is the beehive. Yeah. yeah, like the entirety of it. Like, and she might even go abstract and, like, just, like, be an actual literal beehive. And people be like, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, exactly. like, it's like a snowsuit, so she can't move her arms. <laughs> <laughs> so just, like, her arms are sticking out at, like, 
sticking up straight. She has little bees attached to pipe cleaners, like, coming <laughs> off of her, her form. Man, they must get, like, real lit at those stylist conventions. Oh, no, they definitely do. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God, they totally do. I'm positive They all that. give each other questionable hairstyles when they're drunk, too, so. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, that's just my impression. Honestly, yeah. neither of us, none of us are hairstylists. Maybe they take it very seriously, and it's a very professional escape but who knows yeah i don't know we'll let our imaginations go wild and they're like let me show you this one that accidentally happened to my daughter before the wedding yeah although she would be going to the sober because she's pregnant right now so right oh i call this the nightmare (laughs) (laughs) um so so they go through that whole entire little scene um and yeah, I mean, it is introducing this this struggle, which is a very valid struggle of sorts for Snake to have at this point, which is transitioning between these two roles that he has for Emma, which is being his, you know, being the step-parent, but also being her teacher. Um, and I'm glad that they are trying to address that, because I feel like if you just ignored it, it just would not work. It wouldn't make any sense from a storytelling perspective. And it is something that is not necessarily the easiest to do. Um, so I appreciate that they are trying to set up that tension of sorts. Or conflict, really. It's not tension, it's just gonna be a conflict. I've watched enough of these episodes. Okay, cool. (laughs) What? No, I just feel like that's kind of a spoiler. Oh, I mean. But all things considered, not really. Now that I've said that, because, like, Emma breeds conflict. It's true. And I feel like that's all this A-plot is, is Emma breeds conflict. (laughs) the plot um so the next scene we see emma running towards school she has all of her presentation supplies she meets up with her usual gang of manny toby and jt um she's explaining what her presentation is gonna be all about um the boys kind of poo poo her whole entire attempt at at this gmo plight um they and like it's just kind of typical banter this is where Manny calls her the Joan of Arc, right? Yeah, this is. Gotcha. This is where she first calls. Yeah, so, like, Manny is like, oh, yeah, like, you're, you're like a Joan of Arc, and Toby just kind of dismisses it as, oh, yeah, that girl who went crazy and, like, took orders from a bush. Yeah, well. I do respect, I love Manny's comeback, which is just, like, Joan of Arc <clears throat> is, like, a symbol to women everywhere. Like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. It was really good. I, I appreciated that part of the exchange. Um, and kind of, like, sets up that. And then, like, Emma says something along the lines of, like, well, I'm just trying to follow, like, my conscious. In, in, in about as haughty of a, a tone as you could imagine coming from Emma. She's just... She's very self-important, in, but deflects it to, to, like, be, oh, it's I'm just doing the right thing. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's, that's also Emma. Shtick. That's Emma's shtick. It's always, like, it's... <sighs> There's no pride in this whatsoever for me. No, no. I'm, I I do love Emma's inability to understand her audience. And <laughs> I feel like this happens literally anytime Emma has a plot. But I do want to be clear, like, I do love, as much as, like, I... We'll talk about the issue with the GMO plot and things like that. At the end of the day, I do appreciate that we are seeing such a perfect rendition of, like, the ill-informed but deeply passionate middle schooler that, like, either we ourselves were when we were that age or knew and were friends with. Like, I feel like she's such, like, a real rendition of it, which I really appreciate. 
Yeah, like, I just keep remembering, like, back in the day, there were so many people who took hard stances on things. i sure I took two or three in my youth. Like, um, I think one for me, a big one for me was pacifism. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, you don't need to kill. I've watched a lot of Trigun. Good. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> my, I was really into the rainforest early in high school. Like, deeply into the rainforest. I helped make a website about it. It might still be up. I'm not sure. Um, That was my big cause. And then I was also the straight girl who was deeply passionate about marriage equality. But that... (laughs) 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 And now I'm just a gay man. Wow, that broke you. <laughs> Rest in pieces, Donnie. I only say this because I feel like this was many people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, that's what Degrassi needed. It needed, it needed the, the seemingly straight girl who was like, marriage equality is, <laughs> marriage equality is so important. And then, like, over time, the character gets gayer and gayer and gayer. <laughs> GMOs are bad. Over the time, slowly turns into a tomato. <laughs> Alright, we have to stop laughing and actually do this podcast. Please, YouTube. have been laughing for about 30 seconds. <laughs> we can edit it. <laughs> no, no, our our fans need to hear laughing in their in their in their in their ears directly into their earbuds. Why do I care so much about this? Seconds. Years later. Oh. Right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. But um, yeah. Okay. It's like you finally get in on the joke. It just takes you a while. Um, that's my life. Um, anyway, so the next time we see them, we actually see the meeting with Radich. On the now, the thing is, is like. It's supposed, it looks like a panel in theory. So it includes that seventh grader who won the science contest about wolves, whose name escapes me. Uh, I looked it up. Nadia Nadia. Ymir. Nadia. Okay. So Nadia is on the panel. Ashley is on the panel. A nameless kid is on the panel. But Emma seems to be doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Which is really confusing to me because, like, we have seen Ashley and... She specifically talked about this topic, too. Yeah, like... Ashley specifically talked about this topic. Nadia, we know, can win a science contest. So in theory, like, she has some understanding of, like, how to present. So, like, I'm very confused why Emma's the only one. Unless Emma just strong arm. Yeah, Emma just bullied everyone. Emma's like, I don't think you guys could do it. I'll take care of it. I care about GMOs. That's, that's it. That's, you know that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly what it was now that I say it out loud. Because, like, all those other people, except for that nameless kid who I just don't know, are totally adequate at also helping her through this whole entire process. So I, I guess we are only led to believe that Emma's like, I got this, everybody. Don't worry. Everybody stand back. <laughs> stand back. I know how to talk. I know how to debate. I know how to have a conversation with people. This conversation is going to go as well as my, um... As well as my per- interpretive dance. <laughs> but, like, the best part... And I'm not that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, she's, like, she gives, basically, like, has a hook to her presentation, which technically is not a bad thing, where she has, like, this basket of tomatoes, and she's, like, here, Radich, have a tomato. He takes a bite of it, like, it's a fucking apple. Um, what? 
Oh, like like it's an apple. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just takes a raw bite out of this tomato. Yeah, which I do know people who do this, so I'm not going to judge too much. But, like, he takes a bite out of it, just whatever. And he's like, oh, it tastes, tastes pretty good. And she's like, yeah, did you taste the scorpion DNA? And, like, unshields the poster, and there's this sweet-ass illustration oh, it's, of a tomato. It's a it's a scorpion tomato chimera. Yeah. So imagine that how you will. It's, it's just about as good whatever your brain can come up with. Oh, yeah. Guess what, guys? That's going to be when, at the end of this podcast, Frank, you and me, that's going to be our matching tattoo to signify the end of this podcast. God, no. <laughs> I don't think I could look at that every day. <laughs> I'll get it on the inside of my eyelids. Only I have to see it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a... But, so, just a quick interjection. I, like, my sister has gotten many tattoos, and every time my mom sees a new one, she always gets her shit for it. My sister is 34 now, and I can only ima- like imagine if I get a tattoo, and my mom's like, really? Really? A scorpion tomato? <laughs> I was going to say, I was hoping that would get- I'm definitely using that in a D&D campaign. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's great. <laughs> you see a tomato, it has a scorpion tail and legs. You're confused. What do you do? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's an excellent idea. Our exits are East, West, and Dennis. <laughs> Slashing damage is, is effective, but only with a serrated knife. <laughs> Fuck! That's good. That's real good. Anyway. Careful of deflections into into your allies. <laughs> nice. These are all really good. Anyway, so so that's her hook. She has him eat a tomato and then whips out this post and be like, did you know you're eating scorpion while you're eating that tomato? And he's like, um, okay, ew. And... <laughs> Yeah. I have many I have many things to talk about with this, but he he says, okay, well, if it's helping food um, reducing prices and, and affordability for people, I think it's maybe worth the risk. He, he says at one point, we're lucky to have a calf. <clears throat> yeah, he cites cutbacks, and he says that. I'm like, legally, you have to be have a food option, I'm pretty sure. I don't know how Canadian schools work, but like... <laughs> But for me, it's also just like, okay, we're cutbacks. What should we lose? Uh, uh, toilets. Gone. Gone. No more toilets. Cafeteria, you're next. Yeah, like, like how dark is the financial system right now here at Degrassi? I can't tell. And what are they spending the money on? Because they're definitely spending it on teachers. <laughs> Either quality or quantity. So... So I, I am your resident scientist here on this podcast, Thank and God. and I to be honest, I am not like this is not my field, but I know a few things about basic fucking science, and the and GMOs is there is no controversy over this. I'm sorry, you do any kind of basic research, and it will tell you the same thing. Go find another hill to die on. Um, huh, that's exactly what Snake said yeah, at the I know, end of the kinda, episode. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So. First off, the reason why, so Emma references scorpion DNA in tomatoes. And this is, I did some basic research on this. This is something that has been done. Um, scientists have engineered using scorpion DNA to make tomatoes produce a similar a similar toxin that scorpions used um, as an insecticide. So they, scorpions kill other insects using this poison. And obviously having insecticide as a, as a default defense mechanism for tomatoes is pretty cool because that would help it defend it against insects eating it. Um, raises some issues. Maybe this is not the healthiest thing to put in tomatoes if we're eating them. 
I'm not certain how the genetics play out. Regardless, these tomatoes are not commercially available. We, those tomatoes that he were eat he was eating in the episode are not, do not have any scorpion modifications in them. They do not exist um, as a commercially available tomato. It's just some cool research that scientists have been doing. Um, I did, for, for your information here, just pulling up basic list here, staples that are commercially available are, I think there's only 10 of them, at least currently, that I have with this data here. Apples, tomatoes, or sorry, sorry, apples, potatoes, field corn, canola, alfalfa, soybean, rainbow papaya, cotton, sugar beet, sweet corn, and summer squash. And the, I guess I should explain, the entire, the concept of genetically modified organisms is modifying the, the DNA, so that's the genetic information, um, it's kind of like the blueprints of life, modifying what what DNA is in an organism to make it do something different, um, which maybe as a plant is making it um, produce a, a pesticide internally. So it makes the protein, making it making a new gene that allows the plant to make, make that protein, which is an insecticide that it can secrete and kill or, or defend against insects eat from eating it. Um, that is less of a, a use used by these plants. Most often they're used for, for certain disease resistances um, or, or being able to tolerate certain herbicides better because a, a lot of farms use, use a variety of herbicides and, and pesticides to make their plants grow better. Um, sometimes those, those pesticides or herbicides can be harmful to the plants themselves, make them less grow less. So having better resistance to that themselves is, is a benefit for making making healthier, um, more stable crops. So the entire idea of, of GMOs is to allow, allow the crops to better sustain themselves, um, which ultimately produces a, a more viable plant with greater, greater, greater production of, of fruit or, or, or starch, whatever the product is that is being used for food, um, allowing access, more people access to, to affordable food, which has been a huge, you know, our population is always growing in, in on this world. We're at 7.6 or whatever billion now. We need food to sustain us. We need food to sustain our livestock that we eat. We need food to sustain us directly. GMOs are how we've been able to do that. Um, so getting to this whole, this, this whole, this whole debate is just so inexcusably asinine because Emma's stance on all of this is that by eating GMO foods you are ingesting the literal DNA that is made from these animals that is going to like you are now eating a scorpion because you're eating DNA from the plant the tomato you're eating you're eating what was the other one she used fish yeah she used fish DNA fish later. DNA which maybe there's fish DNA in some other plant um you're eating fish when you're eating corn on the cob. I don't know. But that entire concept is just wrong from the start. And it's not going to be, it will not be harmful to you. Any, there have been many, many long-term studies with, with GMO foods, GMO crops. Nothing has reported any toxic effects. There have been no link to any kind of illness um, over, over 20 years. And science as it is, you can only prove, you can only say nothing is happening. You can never disprove something entirely, but you can always say 
So far, we have not seen any effects. And for 20 years, that's pretty darn good to say there's nothing going on here. Yeah, and, like, the way that they write this plot, they take it in a way that is so... They don't dismiss Emma's perspective. Yeah, they don't. They don't. That's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm just here to tell you how wrong it is. Well, like I feel like you could have a topic like this and bring up the struggles and the conflicts of it, but still have it be a topic that at least has some sort of ambiguity or something. I mean, like I, yeah, at this point, I would have even settled with it being like cage-free eggs or some shit like that. I mean, what what they what they I mean, uh, radish or whatever his name is, principal man. Does does bring up the point that there have been all the studies so far say there have been no ill effects, and Emma just retorts with, "Well, that we know of." And okay, yes, but again, no ill effects. And just because you're eating DNA that comes from a snake, that comes from a scorpion, a fish, it does not fucking matter. DNA is made up of four different nucleotides: adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine. Those four bases encode all the different DNA that we have, and between different species, but each species still has the same nucleotides that make up DNA. It's just the sequences that they happen in. When you eat DNA, you eat DNA every single day. You eat a plant, you're eating DNA. You eat you eat meat of any kind, you're eating DNA. Those have cells, cells have DNA. All living things have DNA. And when you eat it, it goes into your stomach, it goes into your digestive tract, which is full of acid and digesting proteins. Those things destroy the crap out of the DNA. They break it down into only the nucleotides, adenine, guanine, adenine, guanine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine. I'm getting worked up here, as you can tell. I know. And (laughs) even if there was DNA from a snake, DNA from a scorpion, whatever, your body can no longer tell the difference because it is destroyed down to the basic building blocks of DNA once you eat it. Thanks, Gwen. You're welcome. (laughs) I... I have to at least be the the counter retort to to GMOs being bad in this episode because nobody else does it. They're just like, okay, Emma, you do your thing. Yeah, they're just nobody takes like a true stance. Like, I just re- and like some people take the class argument, which I think is a valid argument of being yes. like, look, this is what we can afford. Yes, but, Ellie does that specifically. Yeah, which I which I mean Ellie, but like Ellie. That's Ellie's shtick. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a not-too-much-later scene, but Ellie's, Ellie brings to the point, well, okay, but this is how we af- make affordable lunch. And it's true. This is how we've made food much more affordable, by making yep. plants that grow better and require less land, less work, less intensive care to, to give, a, give food to us. Um, but then, of course, she, like, completely destabilizes, or, or like, she, she makes this nice point, and then she follows it up with, like, Oh yeah, all of our third world starving children in the cafeteria reside like like need Well, us. well, the argument is is that like Emma's like yeah, but what if GMOs cause cancer? And she's like, well, at least people will live long enough to maybe develop cancer. Which like I'm not gonna fault Ellie. No, no, no. That's that's a middle school I, retort. It is heard. a middle school retort. Um, I don't think. I mean, I have no idea about the socioeconomic playing field of of Degrassi, but it feels like they're not terribly, terribly. I, I kind of read, sorry, we're kind of jumping ahead. I kind of read Ellie's retort, not only specific to Degrassi, it felt like an outside Degrassi take of like, okay. GMOs exist in this world to to uh, be affordable to people outside yeah. of our scope. 
Like, I think she was trying to take a more global argument versus Emma's very localized argument. Yeah, so that's 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 just a kind of isolated scene. Um, we skipped one scene, which is not terribly important, but... Wait, Frank, do you have something you want to add? Well, I was going to say, I'm trying to remember, what was the episode where we last saw Emma crusading and Trekker shut her down? That was in season one. That was, like, one of the first episodes. Right, because she was complaining about the advertisements in front of, like, the announcements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she she had the issue with... Uh, Tracker? Tracker is Sean's brother. Oh, have I ever met him? I don't even know. I, I think you've avoided every episode he's in. Nice. Well, actually, I don't know. That Tracker and his cover band. <laughs> and his fun. Axel Rose look. No, this is just what Pierce... Frank and I made up about him. We have a whole, <laughs> we have an extensive headcanon about camera. Tracker. Um, you but, need to see this. <laughs> but Frank, I appreciate that you brought that up because I think that that whole entire argument that Emma had with that situation kind of reiterates the this privilege issue that I think Emma runs into a lot of the time. Where that whole entire issue was um, she did not like the very bias videos that were being run during the announcements and then Radich's argument for it was that it was for them to be able to afford like the tech that is in the school to which Tracker got really angry at Emma because um he cites that Sean needs the computer so that because they don't have a computer at home and I think it goes back to this thing where Emma wants to crusade for everybody, but has this constant inability to really understand class, especially within the context of, like, her own life at Degrassi. Yeah. Um, she doesn't understand there's some, like, necessary evils. I'm not saying GMOs... They're not a necessary evil. Don't yeah. even put it in that sorry, context. Sorry. Like, she doesn't understand, like... Uh, I mean, she's very black and white thinking. Yeah. Which, on one hand, like you, you have to adore about her. On the other hand, on the other hand, it, it's very like she's very like this is right, this is wrong, and kind of fails to see the shades of gray sometimes. And I think a lot of this really has to do with what's happening right in front of her. Like she, she has a lot of issue trying to see an issue, like seeing the problems that happen right in front of her. And I think that also complements a lot of her causes, right? Like, not to say that you shouldn't care about environmentalism and things like that, but a lot of her, and I think a lot of middle schoolers have this issue because, you know, they're just young. A lot of their issues are so, like, beyond the scope of the world in front of them. They're looking at everything else because, whether it's because they don't believe that there's issues within their immediate area or because they don't understand yet. And that's the thing with her. It's like she cares about these very, like, high-concept things, and doesn't really understand how she can give and help and build her own community yet. Not to say that she won't. Many kids start off here with their activism and keep moving and eventually are really, really aware of what's happening in their area. But I feel like she's a really good embodiment of that struggle in many ways. Yeah. I just want, like, I want her to get, like, an actual thing to protest about. <laughs> The, the animal things are real and legitimate. Like, they do, like, you know, this is an issue. It's true, but it, it is kind of hard to, to, 
it's hard to rally around, I think, especially when you're, like, our age, like, late 20s, early 30s, because, like, a lot of, like, what we find to be important is a little different. Mm-hmm. But I think she does embody a good portrayal of that type of kid for a middle school to high school audience. Yeah, we're, we're in a, a human rights crisis here. Animal rights are yeah, important, but... It's hard. Maybe take a little bit of a back burner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think that also speaks to us looking at it from 2018 versus not to say that shit was going down in 2003. Oh no, do not get. It's also a middle school perspective versus an adult perspective. Exactly. Middle schoolers care about animals. Yeah, yeah. Like (laughs) they do. Yeah, like they care about animals, and like that's good. That's well and good. I think 2003, me, the most I understood. Are they still middle schoolers? Yes, they're still in eighth grade. Um, like the most I understood of real deep shit at that point was like rock against bush compilations <laughs> oh man i got such shit for listening to that album <laughs> i mean I, I i grew up in a very conservative area and kids made fun of me all the time i was just trying to like be in the sit alone listen to my music not have to deal with people i hate and they wouldn't they wouldn't let me be no Anyway, um, so the, I think we skipped one minor scene with the Sean and Emma scene. Sean and Emma scene. They're walking together. They're 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 an item again. I guess I missed that part. Yeah, does not surprise me. Yeah. Um, so they're talking about this, and uh, Emma's like, "Apples have fish fish DNA in them," and and Sean's like, "Oh really? Oh ew!" He's like, "Oh, that's kind of weird. That's kind of messed up," and you know, he's very misguided, but at least he's being supportive. And that's all you can ask. Well, it also goes back to his viewpoint, like, back to that period episode where he signs the petition because Paige says that Emma supports it. So he's like, you know, if Emma supports it, then it must be good. Like, he thinks that Emma's viewpoints are, like, his moral compass a lot of the time with these types of issues. So, like, that doesn't surprise me in the least. Well, she, she does come off like she's very, like, she knows what she's talking about. Well, she's very convincing, right? She's, like, she's she, very confident. Her her argument style, like, is very, very manipulative in a good, like, in, a, in like, a good example of manipulation in the sense that she's able to really pull at these emotional heartstrings for people that, like, that visceral realization of, oh, I'm eating scorpion DNA, like. Which he isn't, but he doesn't know that. It's effective. It's effective as shit. Lie. That also is effective. I mean, yeah. <laughs> or misunderstand science because you're an eighth grader. <laughs> that too. Like, very easy. Uh, just keep making shit up and then everybody will just accept that it's the truth. Yeah, but like Sean <laughs> Valentine. Trump. Uh, <laughs> Sean. Yeah, Anyway. Sean validates her. Sean validates the, the lies that are coming out of her mouth. Kisses her on the cheek. Seals the deal. <laughs> and that's that's how that scene ends. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Emma, so then Emma decides the next phase of her attack is to flyer. And this part killed me. So she makes this flyer on orange paper. She's passing it out to people on into the cafeteria. And here's her catchy slogan. If you care about the food you eat, don't eat at the cafeteria. And like says that in that same tone to like every single person. <laughs> <laughs> I love Emma. I really do. Because it's just like, once again, Emma doesn't know her audience. She never knows her audience. <laughs> and this is no different. It's just like, nobody wants to hear that, like, that tone ever. No. And like, it also is just like, what does that mean, Emma? 
what about it? Like, why don't I care about Why should I care? You know, I think that's almost effective because then you're like, okay, why, why should I care? What's happening here? Then you actually, like, maybe you're interested. And she's handing out the flyer, so it's a quick answer to get out of it. I guess, but it's also, like, one of those things where it's such a long sentence that, like, I feel like if you catch it halfway through, you're not going to know what the fuck is going on. It's just like, don't eat at the cafeteria. All she had to do is just be like, food's bad at the cafeteria. Yeah, Here's then, why. Yeah. I, I'm not too opposed to it. But, it just, but it's someone just so... who is opposed to it is the principal. No, no. Radish. Most importantly, Queen Ellie. Oh, we already talked about that, though. Yeah, but, like... This is where Ellie confronts her about it. Yeah, she's just, like, she cites accessibility. Yeah. And then she's also where has some sweet pink in her hair. Oh, yeah, I, I mentioned it's exactly like my hair color right now. It's true. <laughs> my natural hair is, is orange, and hers is orange and pink, and I have also dyed my orange hair pink. So I was like, oh, that's me. Yeah, good content. If I could only be as aspirational as Ellie. I know, right? If only. You ever look at, like, a ninth grader's fashion and just be like, I wish I dressed like that with such confidence yeah well every time i see ellie that's me so yeah 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 i felt it then i feel it now i love ellie nash anyway so as gwen was saying radish grabs a flyer he calls it propaganda which it is i mean it is but also again so emma's gotta ask herself is this really the hill she wants to die on but also radish has to ask himself is this really hill he wants to die on well, it's also because it's like when to say that it's propaganda, which yes, it is, is also the most unproductive way to to talk about the situation, to address the situation. Because it's like he knows Emma by now and he understands that Emma is like when she commits, she commits. She's not going to let go of something. And he's had her in his school for multiple years at this point. So he should know by now, like. I should not do that with Emma. <laughs> he should know that power tripping over her is not going to yield any positive results. And honestly, it doesn't yield any results when working with any middle it's school. No, and really anybody in general, because yeah. you, you, you you say, no, you can't do that. That's propaganda. Who el- Who is going to respond to that positively when it's exactly. something they care about deeply, even if it's exactly. misguided? Yeah, it's, exactly. He is doing a terrible job with this. This could have been something that could have been easily he could have just let her ride out this wave and tire herself out before she finds the next the next big thing to get all into tuffy about but no he decides to to really make a stink of it and that's just going to escalate as we see yeah exactly um because in the next scene manny and emma are talking Quan is doing a good teaching technique which is introducing each kid by name as they enter the classroom so good on Quan. It's one, like, good thing that she's done recently. She was in a slight slide, so I wanted to give her some credit. I, I'm not sure I understand that. So yeah, what's she technique? was at the door, and she was giving, like, an individualized greeting to each kid. Oh, okay. Which was a really, it's, like, a very simple thing, but it's a good thing to do. Like, yeah. y- you want to make sure your interactions with kids aren't just yelling at them. So Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I appreciated it. It was a little background thing. Emma and Manny are talking. Um, and Emma is kind of resigned at this point. Like, you know, the thing was, well, as resigned as Emma can be. Um, it's just, it could have been over. Yeah, exactly. She's like, you know what? I made people think. And like, you know, it didn't quite go how I wanted, but at least it, it caused some form of conversation in the process. And that has to be some sort of win, right? And right on cue, a video announcement happens 
and the video announcement is this wild thing where Liberty introduces this video, which is led by Sheila and JT, which is basically an infomercial for the school lunch. Sheila is the head cafe, um, cafeteria lady or whatever you want to call it. Chef, cook, I don't know what they would prefer. Main cafeteria employee, because I don't, I don't think we ever see anybody else. Yeah. Well, no, there's like two people in the background this this episode, I think. Yeah, they're new hires. <laughs> yeah, they're new hires because Spinner, Spinner finished up his sentence. <laughs> so they needed new people. Um, so Sheila's going through all the food options. JT is kind of being this weird, like, hokey, you know, kid next to her asking questions and stuff. They brag about how it's like only $3.99, which I really need a Canadian... V- listener to like tell me if this is an average lunch like price that seems like a lot I, I, it's been so long i can't remember what school lunches cost i i think fries were a dollar at my school i feel like i mean lunch was two dollars i think high school level for for me when i was a kid but that was also over 10 years ago i mean the schools i've been at lunch is like two and that's that's usd so i don't yeah. know what like yeah, that's the other thing. It's Canadian dollars, so I really don't I, know. I think it's fairly, it's accurate enough. Okay. I don't know. But but the whole point of this is that it is a clear, direct rebuttal to to the, the gossip that's going around, the, the controversy over the cafeteria using GMO foods. Where did this infomercial come from? Because was Radich just like, Sheila, you need to stick it to this kid. Like, oh, that's no, sure. no, no, no. I don't think it was, I don't think it was Radich. I think it was. Yes, I, I keep calling him radish. I'm sorry. He's, <laughs> no, it's okay. he's just he's a literal radish in my brain right now. <laughs> when I when I say this word, I'm envisioning a radish in a suit. A bespeckled radish. Was it yes. JT? No, I think I think well, JT was was not was just... for the GMO thing though. Like he wasn't. He thought that Emma's Emma's efforts were kind of stupid. So I wouldn't be surprised if he might have been responsible. Emma was handing out flyers. Sheila deeply cares about the work she does. She's passionate about it. I think she's proud of it. I think she just was personally affronted by it. Okay. I think that's all there is to this, because, you know, she thinks she she does really good work, and I'm sure she does. And this was, like, trying to... She was telling everybody not to eat her food, which is pretty personal. Yeah. I mean, Saying her food is bad for you, like, you know. Admittedly, admittedly there is something called Sheila sauce. Yeah, there is. Well, I mean, that could which be great. JT says is free with every meal. <laughs> I have a salad, chill sauce. Right. Well, like that's the thing, and it's like I kind of wish the episode went more into Sheila's perspective during this. I understand that it was supposed to be like an Emma versus Radish, Radish. Oh no, now I'm doing <laughs> Radish situation. But I do feel like if we were going to start talking more about like class and perception of class within the context of school employees and things like that, I think it could have been interesting to get more of Sheila's point of view on this one, but I guess that's a little too ambitious. Yeah. I mean, that would make, that would turn Sheila into a char- like more of a character and I don't think they want to go that far. Well, she already was weird and overshared about her husband and her attempt to like make him horny. So like, I don't really know why we don't make her a character. 
Wow, <laughs> Sheila, okay, TMI. Yeah, yeah, she's like talking to Jimmy and Spinner one what? day. Yeah, Those she, are literal children. Yeah, and she talks about how she was like going to try and make her husband horny by making, I think, she, I think Co- it's oysters. Yeah, she was making o- oh, like she prepared fucking. oysters. Oysters are an aphrodisiac. Yeah, and then she's yeah. like, yeah, but it just gave him gas. And I'm like, why are you telling these children this? Well, she has no other coworkers, so she's got to tell somebody. <laughs> I know Spinner's functionally her coworker at that point, so <laughs> it was disgusting. I'm not surprised that Spinner isn't like good old Dave. Yeah, <laughs> knows him by name. I know met him. Oh, yeah, right. But, like, it's gross. Anyway, not neither here nor there. Um, I wish we had more of Sheila's perspective, because she's a very passive role in this, all things considered. Like, yeah, she stars in this video, but ultimately we don't really know if it's necessarily her saying, like, hey, I feel affronted by this. It's she is... I thought it was pretty obvious that's what it was. I she, guess... she seemed personally affronted. She said, I've heard their... There are some rumors going about my food, but I but I want you all to know I use the finest ingredients. Yeah, so but I, it's it's very clear to me that's what this is about. I yeah, but like she still doesn't get that much of a role in this episode. No, anyway, but she doesn't need to. I'm also confused how JT got wrangled into it. I think JT is just always JT's looking a for shitster. that. Yeah, he's so just like, like eh. Of course. It does not surprise me. He also wants his acting debut. Or maybe he was just walking by and she's like, you're going to be in this, uh, I don't know, free food. Okay. Yeah, that might have happened too. <laughs> Anything was possible. Um, so they have the whole entire thing and this makes Emma real pissed. Um, the next scene is in the cafeteria. Toby is jokingly asking JT for his autograph. They're coming back from the lunch line, and Emma's like, you're still eating this lunch. It's toxic. Uh, She's wearing a shirt that says no GMOs, a homemade oh no GMO God. shirt. Yeah. Really? Yep. I missed that. Oh, yes. It's, God, it's she there. is nothing if not committed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is. Um, she takes these really sad-ass fries from Toby, and she's just like, look at them. Do you think about all the DNA that's coursing through them? Blah, blah, blah. And then, like... How about all the fat, like the trans fat instead, Emma? Like, yeah, how about right? we get healthy food in the all cafeteria? The DNA that's coursing through them. I want to fucking die. Yeah, and then like Toby, <laughs> who for once is relatable to me, goes, "This is my food," and like yanks it back. It goes flying. And of course, it's gravy fries. Yeah, naturally, it hits Jimmy. Who... I, I mean, or... it is up there. It's poutine. Poutine. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was going to correct myself. Was it poutine? I don't know. It, it I really thought been. it was bare ass fries. That no, no, it had it had gravy in it. Okay. Anyway, because that's that's what if it was bare ass fries, nobody would it wouldn't matter because like it'd just be fries hitting you. But it goes and and it hits um it hits Jimmy hits Jimmy whom and, in the B plot we know wears a lot of new clothes right now. Yes. So the, his his clothes are all potentially ruined, which is upsetting. No matter what your social uh, or sorry economic status is. And then um, Jimmy throws something at JT. Intended target is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he tries. So he, he Jimmy's like what the what the heck and gets all angry, which he's fair to do. I think it's at Toby actually. And what well, doesn't matter one yeah. of them. I mean, they're 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 interchangeable at this point. Yeah. yeah, but I really need to point out that the food then hits Paige, who gets fucking. What, what I love about this is it hits Jimmy, and there's this moment of, like, silence that everybody kind of comes to terms with what's happened and becomes afraid that Jimmy is going to, like, be violent or something, or just, like... Oh, wait, wait, yeah, no, he yeah. didn't do anything, I forgot. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was just making this up in my head. I forgot this entire scene. And then the fries hit page, and like there's an even larger swath of even more scared children. <laughs> yes. And so, no, Paige is the one who tries, who goes after one of the boys. Goes after JT, JT. because I felt very happy. Yeah, she okay. goes after JT at first. And she says, somebody's not leaving here alive. <laughs> she's so and like, good. And like, you can tell as an actress, she's like barely holding it together. Oh, she's yeah. like just having a good time with this role. Yeah. Um, and she goes and she throws whatever food she has at trying to hit JT, but instead she hits somebody else. She hits Craig. She hits Craig, and Craig, like, hilariously is like, oh no, and immediately <laughs> picks up his food and, and pelts, and pelts Paige back with it. No hesitation. Yeah. And, and then we have the best scene um, in this entire episode, which is a full-scale food fight, and naturally it is spaghetti day. So it is extra messy and good. Oh, it's so good. These kids are having so much fun in this it's, scene. It's 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 wholesome. Paige just grabs a thing of mustard and is just spraying somebody with nice. it. It's really good. It was like, it legitimately was one of the like fun, most cute. fun scenes this whole season for sure. I, well, again, I, that's, I, I, I needed that. I needed to see these kids just like letting loose and having a super good time. Yeah, it was so endearing, the whole entire scene. Um, you could, like, the kids were just, like, you could tell that the acting facades were down, and they were just, like, kids having a lot of fun. And I feel like it speaks to the benefits of when you have kids playing kids. Like, you get yeah. these really sincere moments that I feel like if you had a bunch of 20-something-year-olds trying to do it... it they wouldn't have the heart in it. No, no. It, they, they wouldn't would have that committed. sparkle in their eye. Yeah, it just would not work as well. I, like, because I just, like, I feel like with, twenty like, older, you know, like, a, with adults, like, I gotta still kind of look cool. Yeah. With kids, it's just like, let's, like, like, I'm sure the director was just like, okay, so then, Craig, you hit Paige, um, and then just all of you go nuts, and they must have, like, been all just waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's what you saw when Paige did her scene, because she knew what she was about to use to start. She was ready for it. She was... The anticipation was 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 palpable. Palpable. Yeah, it was so good. Like I just really enjoyed the energy in this scene. It was good. Have any of you ever seen a food fight? I heard one. I, yeah, I was. I was in one. Long really? Time ago. I mean, it wasn't anything serious. It was just like, well, it's a food fight. It's happening, I guess. And then it was over. I mean, I. I... The thing with my school was that we were so small that the minute a rumor of trouble happened, like, you'd get back to the teachers immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there was this thing we called the Battle of the Fat, like, w- where these two larger boys decided to finally have it out at, like, the bottom of the hill, like, at, at my school. And, like, the whole school showed up, and, like, one of the teachers just walked down there and was like, you guys have to leave, this is, like, a park and you get in trouble, go home, this is stupid. And they just went to somebody else's house and had the fight. Um, but, like, rumors started getting around that there was going to be a food fight. And I was just like, hmm, I think I'm going to go to the library for lunch, because fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, and it turned pretty bad pretty quick from what I heard. Like, one girl got milk poured on her yearbook. Oh, no. And nobody was allowed to change or go shower. Oh, no. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I only heard of them. I've never witnessed one, but I'm also the 
as when I taught, I avoided lunch duty as much as I could. And now that I work in after school, I don't have to worry about it. Although I do get nervous sometimes during snack, but so far, I think it's so I think good. it's much less common than people think it is. I agree. Because like you know, does anybody really? I mean, it's it's fun for about like 30, 40 seconds, but then like you're covered in food. It's a sensory nightmare to me. Yeah, the so thought I of like whatever but it is what it is it was a fun scene yeah there's like one kid takes a handful of like kidney beans and i was just like oh but how many meals did the school have at once like yeah sheila's very proud of her work yes (laughs) how dare you i get that but maybe we could you know cut down on the cost we didn't offer like six different lunch options no (laughs) (laughs) all right cool anyway radish um calls emma into the office and like he's like you're to blame for this she's like i didn't throw anything he's like well you started it so you're suspended for the rest of the day and like one of my favorite things is she just brushes some pickles off her shoulder onto his floor yeah which is super disrespectful she does not respect him so there you go he's not doing much to earn respect and that's the fair point that's the thing it's like like this is really bad disciplinary action exactly exactly he is this is a this is a textbook case of he is he's taking the situation out on her because he feels like she is upsetting his control over things exactly exactly and she knows this and she's right to react the way that she does even if it's misguided even if it's for a bad cause yeah it is no longer and she even says this later on it is no longer about gmos it is about that he is silencing her and in a way that's not okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very frustrating because I I obviously like kids don't need legitimate causes to not have this be a bad thing. I do wish that the cause was not this because if, I mean yes and no. I think I think we could have it would, the, the episode would have been a lot more serious if it had been an actual worthwhile I guess cause. that's true. I'm so also this, team this... make it fucking serious, which I feel like is consistent we're, we're in my writing. enough of that in, in I know, season, season three, three, we're gonna get our asses beat. I know. But the thing is also, like, what, seri- like, uh, what serious issue is out there that also affects a school? Like, you can... Uh, okay, okay. A lot of things, but... That, mm-hmm. okay, okay, sorry. That a student would be aware of like we already had the one with the the advertisements in front of the morning announcements. Like there there's not one that she can actually pinpoint that affects her life that she could like pro- possibly make a change about. Like this sure. like Yeah. I mean I, I feel like a, there are many problems facing schools, but so many of them are nebulous and like this isn't a problem. <laughs> I guess I just kind of wish it was more of, like, the, like, the, why don't we have, like, free-range meat or something like that. Or, like, yeah. something that, you know, doesn't have the deeper <clears throat> scientific implications here. Yeah, that's more... But I don't know if that's a very 2003 issue. I think that's I the know. other thing. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't think it is. I think that was more of a, like... 2010s type problem they could also like that you could also revisit remember when there were bugs in the cafeteria oh yeah yeah like and like radish is still trying to cover up and kwan's like helping out 
I mean, you could even make the issue be better vegetarian options and dietary restriction options, which, like, you know, once again, I feel like that's more of an issue that we're seeing more today, but I feel like Emma being a vegetarian in that time period, her options had to have been pretty damn limited in the cafeteria. You could do, I mean, you could could somewhat borrow the Lisa the vegetarian plotline from The Simpsons. Yeah, you could. Like, just have her be like, no more meat, no more meat. And, like, everybody just be like, we, we don't care. Like, yeah. And like, then, then she makes a stink about it. And then, like, then you have the food. Like, it could work much better that way. Yeah, I agree. I think that it would have taken out that. But also, like, yeah, it's just it would have taken out that gripe that I have with it. You still would have come to the same conclusions, the same beats in the plot with a topic that would have had less heinous scientific implications. And then Sean could actually get behind that with oh, just, yeah. without just being like, duh, okay, you're pretty. Yeah, you still could have the <laughs> Sean plot, because then it would go back to Sean's trauma of working in, like, a meat farm. Yeah. Yeah, you still would have had the same scenes with slightly different dialogue. Yeah, and then you could have had them be a tag team. God damn it. Why didn't we write for Degrassi? Oh, because we were, like, children when this came out. Hey, I was writing at that time. I started writing when I was 12. It was fucking terrible, but I was writing at 12. I was writing Degrassi fanfic, but, uh, that's never seen the light of day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway. We'll get to your ships one day. You, I will be very transparent when, when there is enough reason to talk about my Degrassi ship. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Let us, let us continue. <laughs> so, regardless, how Radish handles the situation is horrendous. He is making her an example. Um, and also just the idea of just, like, suspending kids and doing these types of things is also contradictive to some of the punishments that we've seen in the show itself, where we have seen, like, Spinner did something relating to the cafeteria, so his punishment was then working for the cafeteria. Like, you could have had her punishment been, you have to now clean the cafeteria or help clean the cafeteria. You have to do, like, something that was a little more restorative in theory. Yeah, I agree. That wouldn't have made sense narratively with her. No, 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 no. I'm just just ripping on Radish. Well, I think that's the point here, is that he deserves to be critiqued in this because yeah. he handles it terribly he just tells her you're suspended and yeah she reacts with like well that's bs so i'm just gonna go and you know hang out with snake and he's gonna be fine because he's now my my father figure whatever yeah because like he's like well i have to release you to your mom mom's at stylist convention and he's like well i guess i have to release you to my employee yeah cool <laughs> Which is a weird, awkward situation. Oh, yeah. So she she goes and she goes to his class and he naturally is like, what what the heck are you doing here? Yeah, Snake's Aren't in Aren't you an, suspended? Snake's in an impossible situation here. Like, I assume he's a tenure teacher. I don't really know if Canadian schools do tenure, but like... I don't remember. I don't I know. Remember we had this conversation, um, but I don't remember what the answer was. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um... Regardless, like, Snake is an established teacher. Like, he's somebody who has been there for a while. But at the end of the day, even if he has tenure and he's able to stay in the school... Yes, we did talk about this. They do have tenure, but it's a long process. It's a longer process. And I I don't 100% know what it is in this province, but I do know that it's a process. I know this, yes. Anyway, so, like, regardless... Well... 
I think that's Tate's province, so. Right? Yes. So it would be the same. Yes. Unless it's changed. Yes. Anyway, there is a process. It's a long process, but it's a process. In theory, I'm, I'm willing to bet that Snake either is... Snake probably has it at this point, maybe. If not, he's definitely an established teacher. Regardless, this is your, still your boss. And, like... And he talks about this conflict, because, like, he, he's teaching, she just walks in, mustard stains and all on her outfit, and she's just straight up, like... <laughs> he says, what are you doing here? Weren't you suspended? And she responds with... Or, or, or didn't didn't Radish suspend you? And she she responds with, "He did," and I don't agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> and just proceeds to go sit down. And he's like, "Oh my god, okay, we need to. Can we please talk in private?" Yeah, which is probably the smartest thing he's done in in episodes to be like, "Let's talk in private about this." And he just he straight up tells her like, you know, go home, go home now. And this, yeah. He he works here. That he is an employee. He has to respect that she is suspended and he even if he is a father figure to her he has to respect that she is suspended it's not his place and she continues kind of being well refusing to budge on it he eventually says like you know what is this actually about is this actually about this situation are you trying to test me and she does the whole well since you're my new dad type i hoped you would have been more supportive yeah, yeah. which there's Emma at that manipulation game again. Oh, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but he doesn't sway, so good for him. Yeah, right. Um, and he's just like, you know, like, you gotta go. I'm sorry, you gotta go. And is very firm about it. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. She needs to leave. So she leaves, but she doesn't go far. No, because Armstrong is, like, walking out with the kids, and he's like, I can't believe Emma got suspended, which, to be fair, teachers totally do that. Like, because we, we usually get, like, an email of some sort letting us know, like, who is suspended and if we have to send work to people. And, like, you totally check the lists and are like, oh, whoa, I can't believe that kid got suspended. <laughs> what the hell happened? And then you, like, ask other teachers about it. And you're like, yeah, why did so-and-so get suspended? And then you get to, like, the truth pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be confessing that. But... We love gossip. I'm this sorry. Is, this is your perspective. It is important. Yeah. It's just like, like if, if a kid that, if you're like told you have to send work to a kid that you don't usually send work to, you're like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like, what, ha like, what went wrong? Yeah. You like ask some teachers, you ask some students, and then you get to the truth really quickly. But um, that please, was like a very real moment. <laughs> please tell us the inner workings. I got you. Um, so Armstrong's like, wow, I can't believe she got suspended. And then, like, he and uh, um, some of the students walk outside, and Emma is, like, right by the bus stop with a big old poster. Silenced by administration. Yep. She's walking around with the poster. She's citing her right to protest. Ellie is just living for it, just sitting there with her black umbrella and the recorder, like, reached out. But, like, all things considered, she's protesting to no one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no literally nobody cares, but Well no no, I mean like who's on the street at like one in the afternoon <laughs> near yeah. the school? Yeah, other than like a couple dog walkers. <laughs> but she's like walking back and forth. Um Ellie is like asking questions on behalf of the Grapevine, which is the school newspaper. There's um somebody for I think guess the Grapevine taking pictures. And um 
Radich comes over, and he's furious, and he gives her an ultimatum, which... Oh. oh. Sorry, hang on. Ellie and Radish have umbrellas. Armstrong's the gym teacher, and he's like, it's rainy. This is a great day to have gym outside. I've had that happen, though. Yeah. I've had that happen. Like, I feel like they are more apprehensive now to take kids out when it's rainy, but I feel like back in 2003, like, they really didn't give that much of a shit. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. We're only in a, yeah, we're so only in it wasn't thundering. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, suck it up. You'll anyway, go. so so Mr. Bad Principal here comes over and he's like, oh, I'm reasonably upset with her. Mm-hmm. Um, he just feels like this is so utterly disrespectful to him and he can't handle it. And mm-hmm. so he gives this awful ultimatum of, you will apologize in front of everybody on the morning announcements tomorrow, or you will get one week of suspension yeah. for continuing this this propaganda that I told you to stop, which is... Lord, is that, I mean... That's rough. That's, that's... He's being like a little mini dictator right here. And this oh. is this is not how... This is not how disciplinary action should run. Oh, no, not at all. And, like, bold of you to give an ultimatum to a kid who's, like, the step kid of one of your employees. Like, do you want to make your life miserable? You're doing it very well. He's, he's just doing a real bad job. Yeah. I just... Anyway... I just thought of like the old, like the perfect punishment, like just set Emma up with Mrs. Hasalakos for like a week of just cleaning up and learning about GMOs. Yeah, that would be great. That would yeah. be an actually really good restorative thing, <laughs> and like that would be really useful. I'm always reminded of that episode of Daria where Daria and Jane are stuck on the Ferris wheel with that one like crying girl, and they're like, "You can't do this to us. We're human beings." <laughs> I feel like that would be Miss Hasselakos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh my god. What, what did I do, Radish? What did I do? <laughs> right? She's just like, I, she just never stops talking. <laughs> How did she never stop talking? I mean, JT, definitely worse. But, like... Yeah, I know. Hasselakos <laughs> just gets all the bad... Like, all, like, the most insufferable children to be punished with. It's just, like, day in, day out. Um, anyway, so... Emma's given the ultimatum. Next scene, she's at home with Snake, and um, Emma is doing this really melodramatic thing, like, oh, like, you're gonna, you're gonna give me speeches, and you're gonna yell at me, because Emma is the most dramatic child. No, she's just about the same level of drama that every middle schooler is, to be honest. Um, (laughs) I can't even lie. Um, And she's just like, you're gonna, you know, do this, Um, and then, of course, Snake is like, well, maybe this isn't the hill to die on. Like, maybe you should, maybe, maybe you should just kind of, like, let go of this for the sake of yourself. And then Emma does this weird tirade going back to GMOs, which dilutes to think of the baby, Snake. Do you want your child that is, that is in, in what's her name uh spike's belly right now and in, in her uterus do you want this child to grow up eating gmos and then later have cancer and die Ooh, ooh. like she does this weird it's so and i understand uh, what the writers are thinking i understand that they're like emma is extra well not just that i feel like they're like well emma would care and hyper focus on the baby's health because of her circumstances of her own birth. And I understand they're doing this. 
she, uh, oh, Gwyn doesn't. I don't know this. Gwyn, Spike had Emma during the original Degrassi. Okay. So a lot of her conflicts from season, literally from the first episode, have been the circumstances of her own birth and, like, whether or not, like, you know, whether or not Spike <clears throat> would have had an abortion or not and, like, that type of stuff. So she, like, hyper-focuses on the baby's health and the okay, baby's sure. status as a baby, as, like, well, the fetus's status as a fetus, really. During White Wedding, we get a weird anti-choice tirade from Emma. It's really odd and, like, oh, out of boy. place. So, like, it's, like, this fairly radicalized child with an anti-choice jag that happens yeah Oof. yeah and i think it's just because the writers don't know how to fucking handle this with nuance i think that's what a lot of this is like it just gets very heavy-handed and when you take these sound bites out of context they just sound like really cliched anti-choice bits sure anyway she's hyper-focusing on this child's health but really it's just her being manipulative Trying to say, oh, you'll, baby, you'll get cancer when it grows up, um, which obviously, by the way, is not true. Well, like, once will I not don't, happen. I don't think that Emma is being necessarily manipulative here. I think this is might dilute to her truth. It's just the way that they handle it is like very poor. Like, I feel like if they really, it can it can still be something she believes in and still be she is using. Yeah, that's she's true. using her her beliefs to manipulate the situation. And yeah, like, whatever that she's a kid, she'll figure things out. But she, Snake is just like he, he's he's straight up with her with this. Listen, I understand, but I am I am in, a, in an impossible situation. Which is true. I as your teacher must tell you that you should apologize and and let this go. I, as your parent, want to support you, even if it's a weird decision you're making. Um, but since I am in this place, I think it's probably best for you to just do what you think is best. Exactly. I cannot say anything. Which I appreciate. I think that was probably some of the best things that Snake has done in the past, like, season. Yeah, it's, and this is the tone of his parenting, which I'm pretty sure it won't be. But, like, <laughs> if that was the tone of his parenting, like, that'd be an excellent, like, path to follow. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's him being very transparent with her, which is just like, you know, mm-hmm. this is my perspective here. I have two perspectives I'm trying to manage here. You got to figure it out. Like, I think that's really good and compliments Spike's parenting style to a certain extent, too, which is that Spike is very much like, you know, do what you believe is right. Remember yeah. what you think is right. And I feel like it's a good complimentary angle to it. Though I do wonder how Spike would have handled this. Does Spike believe in GMOs are the devil? I don't know, and I don't know if I want to know. I don't want to find out, actually. I said that, and I don't want to know. Um, anyway, so the next time we see this, Emma has all of these apology cue cards. She's showing Radish to them. He's, like, super pleased that it seems like she's going to apologize. She goes on to the morning announcements. Liberty introduces her. And we all know what's coming next. Oh, yeah. We know Emma. We know what's happening. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I, you know, she starts it like the apology. She says that she, you know, and she says that she just can't do it. She does feel bad about the food fight, which I appreciate. Good. Mm-hmm. Emma could see beyond herself. That's always good. And she says, you know, I'm sorry about that, but I have a right to express what I find to be an issue, which is like also valid, right? Like, you know, she has a right to say if she thinks something is wrong. Like, inevitably, I was watching this, and it did kind of make me think of the last principal that I worked with, who is somebody that I do respect, um, and how 
something he always consistently did and still does. He still works there and he's still doing a great job. Your principal lets kids express themselves. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, lets them do things in an organized fashion, but still are able to voice their concerns. And no matter what, like, you know, during a wide range of topics, because I, uh, my school district, it, if I told it to you, you would think it was fantasy, honestly. Um, but so like she brings up this point um, and she's like, you know, and you see Radish seething during this whole entire thing. And when she finishes, good old Liberty is just like, okay. <laughs> I, I would have loved it if she ended it with like, I will be taking, qu- I will be stepping down to spend more time with my family. Any questions? And Ellie's just like looking around like, uh, one, I guess. <laughs> it's Ashley, Ashley and Ellie take over. So Ashley takes the morning announcements back and they're with Ellie and like all, like, it's always like speed metal in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we didn't mention Snake is watching the morning announcements and he is very proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. Um, I mean, and- to be fair, I mean. Emma says this very eloquently. She does. She Honestly, does. this is she, probably the most eloquent she has said about an issue that she cares about in a while. She doesn't really... She, she, she acknowledges that this is not really about the GMOs anymore. This is about her not being able to express her opinions and feeling silenced. Yeah. And she is right. And yeah. she says it well, and she is suspended for a week. Yes. Radish <laughs> confirmed... Like, she confirms with Radish that she is suspended... And the ominous shot is on Emma after getting that affirmation. Credits. That's credits, you know, as, yep. as a show rolls. Yep. So that's all I got about this. I, I do believe that I wish the cause was a little different. I do think that it's still, Radich is still wrong. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement on that. Yep, the end. So let's move on to that B-plot. Okay. All right. So the B-plot is our boys. And today's <laughs> boys are Spinner, Marco, and Craig. Um, they're talking a little bit about the GMO situation, which is kind of funny because there's a lot of plot continuity in this plot, even though there's a lot of plot inconsistency. It's a very weird one because there's parts of it that I was really happy to see that they remembered certain things have happened, but there's also certain aspects of the plot that make no fucking sense. Anyway, so Spinner brings up that, like, he worked at the cafeteria, um, and Jimmy enters the scene and he's wearing, like, new clothes, like, very very dark wash puffy black pants um he's wearing a tracksuit essentially yeah yeah and he's wearing a hoodie like a powder blue hoodie everything looks very nice and new um and spinner is just staring him down while marco is like super pumped he's like oh my god like all this stuff looks so good like they all this stuff is so expensive like he's just like super excited about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and wow, I still can't remember anything about this beginning part of the V plot. Like, um, Spinner is very clearly jealous. Yeah, yeah. We we have a very nonverbal, obvious cue that he is jealous. Yeah. Um then we go to the next scene where Snake calls for free internet time, which once again, what the fuck are you doing calling free internet time? <laughs> Fucking tired of it. It's only happened twice, and it makes me so mad. Um, And Spinner decides to take the time to look up the cost of these hoodies. um, That The one that Jimmy's wearing. It's like Triple Five Soul, I think is the name of the brand. Um, And it says that the hoodie is worth $120 Canadian in red font on the website. Which is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. 
wow. Um, and Jimmy also, like, next to him as he's sitting at the computer, because, like, Spinner's trying to covertly look up the price of Jimmy's clothes. Jimmy is, like, across the way, and he has, like, kind of, ca- they're, like, catty corner to each other, I guess. And, like, in between them is Jimmy's new iPod, which they call an MP3 player, I guess, for copyright reasons. <laughs> we all know what's up. It's an old school iPod. I, man, I forgot. I forgot what those original ones look like. <laughs> anyway, so, um, Jimmy has one. Spinner is like, that's worth $500. Um, and Spinner is like super shocked that on top of the new clothes, he also got the iPod. Um, and Jimmy's super dismissive about this. Spinner, once again, plot continuity, brings up that he has not gotten a replacement for the Walkman that Quan broke in that episode back in season one. He's down to cassettes. Yeah. I was at cassettes back then. Cassettes are awesome. I did not are have they? cassettes. <laughs> are they, Frank? They're I'm glad you think so. Okay, okay, okay. They're not as great as, you know, being able to select, like, whatever song you want at any time or an MP3 player. Their sound quality is god-awful, too. But hey... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess there's a certain kitschy nostalgia to it. So back in so here's story time, because back in the day, um, I had a CD player. You know, like my mom got each of my sister and I like each a CD player and like the dual tape deck CD player. Nice. Um, and Susie's CD half stopped working, so she gave me that one, and somehow convinced me. Her logic seemed sound at the time that I should give her my fully operational one. Jeez. Oh my god. Oh, she swindled. got older sibling scammed. S- S- yeah, Susie never did it in a mean way. Like, <laughs> but um, the thing was, like, I had a tape of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, and I played that thing endlessly. And I remember I was playing, I believe it was Final Fantasy X for like the 50th time because that was my favorite game in like 7th grade. And I just hear the tip like, you know, my world has a... I was like, it's not a whole lot of change in Billy Corgan's voice, but it is noticeable. And then like the tape just snapped. Oh no! Um... Fortunately, it was like a homemade tape. Um, yeah, and like I just got really good at making mixtapes. I loved making mixtapes. Like, because there was just something to be said about lying on my floor for three hours, because that's how long it took to make a mixtape. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, playing video games or like just staring at the ceiling, just enjoying the music. Because, like, I don't know. Like, but y'all, but I don't do that that much. Like, I still listen to music, like, very constantly, but I don't just listen to music now. Oh, yeah, me either. Because it feels like a waste of time, but back then I was just yep. like, yeah, I'm just grooving to these tunes. Yeah, no, I I feel like I haven't, I didn't really... We are, we are in a multitasking world right now. Yeah, yeah, we're also adults and we kind of have to, I feel like, out of this capitalist hellscape that we live in. Yeah. Um... Yeah. But, Always gotta be on the hustle. Oh yeah, constantly. Because we're also millennials and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, depressing, but the truth. Um, I did not have a cassette player. I'm a little younger than you, Frank. I had a cassette, like, boombox thing. And I remember listening to cassettes while, like, doing, like, the, like, Disney turn-a-page type books when I was a little. 
Um, but by the time I was actually listening to music and kind of forming my own opinions of music, like CD Walkman type situations were way more common. Yeah, I had, I had a Walkman with an FM radio station. So yeah, it was really nifty. Um, cause I was back when like the, back when New York City market had like the original K-Rock and stuff. I'm really sectionalizing myself right now. Oh yeah. 92.3 K-Rock. It's back now. Different branding, but okay. Know, alternative, whatever. But so I need to tell a story about my last Friday night trying to see the the Queen tribute band, Almost Queen. Okay. So Susie had gotten free tickets via Secret Show, or Secret Seat, and we went to uh, we went to the venue, and okay. it was people who hadn't been to a show in about thirty years or so. And they had jam-packed the, like, the, the, like, the venue. So it was people on top of people. And, like, the one opener had finished. Like, the other opener was going to take the stage soon. But first we had to bring out local radio station Calendar Girls. Oh, God, they still exist? Yeah, and Susie, like, just, like, leaned over to me and was just like, Freddie Mercury would have hated this. Like, um... And, like, they're like, this one, and this one, and then we noticed something. I mean, it didn't take us long to notice, but, like, it was very obviously something similar about all these women, and it was addressed by the drunk woman behind us who started yelling, why are they all white and blonde? Yeah, yeah, Freddie would have hated that. He'd be like, hey, yo, what's up? <laughs> Throw in some diversity! <laughs> I was like, this woman's speaking my language. I love her. Me. I love this woman. But yeah, so Susie and I, like, we just sat around for, like, ten minutes, and then we looked at each other and was like, let's get the fuck out of here, because fuck this. Yeah, no, that's fair. I've, I've, the only Queen tribute band I've ever seen is Queen and Adam Lambert, which is a very different experience. I have heard that Almost Queen is very good. Okay. Like, I had a friend who was at the show who told me I missed a very good show, but I could not handle that crowd. No, that's fair. You almost saw a very good show. You almost... <laughs> Queen. For our listeners, I just gave double finger guns to Gwen. Thank you. It was a very important visual note. Um, yeah, I don't know. Where are we? We are. We we are I know about? where we are. I know where we are. Okay. The, the thing is also, like, this is, like, our most simple of simple plots. Yeah, like, so we had to talk about... Like, we spent an hour and 13 minutes on GMOs and whatnot, because this is just, like... Spinner see like Spinner is jealous. Like Spinner does something boneheaded. Spinner gets caught and it's just like we can speed run through this. Well, like, but here's the thing, because I feel like the next scene really embodies my gripe with this plot and why I couldn't take it seriously, which is that you know the boys are hanging out. Jimmy is like you know strutting in, and Mark was like, oh whoa, like your dad got you like new shoes. That that's the thing, like his dad got him the new clothes. He got the new shoes. This is, like, a birthday gift, everything. And Marco's jokingly like, oh, can you, like, can your dad, like, you know, can your parents adopt me? And Jimmy says that Spinner is the second son. And that Spinner, like, you know, Spinner is always over and things like that. Which doesn't make any fucking sense. Because they had a fight a couple episodes back. And it was about how Spinner said that Jimmy always hung out at his house. So, this whole conflict doesn't make any fucking sense to me because anytime we've talked about Jimmy and his relationship with his family, the relationship has been that Jimmy's parents are never home, 
So he hangs out at Ashley's or hangs out at Spinner's, etc., etc. So this whole fight made no fucking sense to me. Regardless of whether it makes sense or not, um, Jimmy says some really hurtful things. He does, uh, but I just... Namely, namely, they, you know, they're complimenting Jimmy's new clothes, and then at the same time, both him and Marco are actually um, making fun of the, the sweatshirt, the old, like, ratty sweatshirt that, that Spinner is wearing. Yeah, which, which, which is shitty. I just wish that that was it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that was enough of a conflict. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, ultimately what it comes down to is, is they make fun of him for being poor. Yeah. yeah. Really, that's what it is. And yeah. Spinner's rightfully upset about this. Absolutely. And, and it ends with, like, Jimmy spinning it into saying, like, you're always at my place. You're a, you're a freaking freeloader. Yeah. And then walks off. Yeah, it's which just. Which is really, really dirty. Yeah, it's a really shitty thing. And I think it. It's just very shitty. It embodies a lot of, like, why I don't like their friendship. Because I feel like they punch down on each other constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's why I can never like this friendship in any way. Even if they resolve their issues and they, you know, they settle their differences time to time. I feel like they have this habit of taking the information that they know about each other and just beating each other up with it. And it... I understand that, like, this type of stuff happens with kids, but also it's, like, incredibly difficult for me to, like, enjoy their friendship when it's good because when it's bad, like, and this isn't just, like, Spinner is stinky. Like, that happens. Okay, fine. Like, this is, you're poor. You're a freeloader. Fuck you. And it's, like, really ugly and really terrible. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, also, like, I... I don't know. I wish that this was also something... If this was the case, I also wish that they brought out this classism issue a little earlier. It would have been nice to see this as something that... It was built up to. Yeah, because it's like, I feel like, for all intents and purposes, in terms of how class is portrayed in Degrassi, it kind of feels like the the socioeconomic level is like, Sean is poor and everybody else is middling and middle class. Like, that's kind of what it feels like a lot of the time, the way the show portrays it. Like, nobody else has necessarily been portrayed in a way that is their class issues and struggles are very obvious. And I wish that they. Yeah, that would would require a lot of finesse and writing and subtleties that, you know. Also, how are they affording Kendra's anime habit? Oh, the, um, the... Especially back then. Anime's yeah, yeah, cheap. like, that wasn't streaming you buy one volume, You buy one volume manga, and it's, like... $25. $20, and... You gotta buy $30 DVDs. You gotta, you gotta buy DVDs. There's no streaming anime. DVDs are, like, super expensive even now. Oh, oh yeah, and then there's always the screw you of, oh, you want these last two episodes? $60. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, I don't know. Like, you get the whole box, so you can put the rest of your DVDs You're in there. You're lucky to catch it incredibly out of order on Toonami. Yeah, like, YouTube wasn't really a thing yet. Like, how is Kendra affording anime? The real question. Sorry, I just didn't want to point out that Nadia Ymir, the the other girl from the beginning, is listed in the Degrassi Wikipedia as Kendra's best friend. Really? Uh, That would have been nice to see. Yeah, would have been nice to see them hanging out. Maybe Nadia is funding the anime habit. (laughs) Who knows? Anyway, it's not like... So... We, we gotta we gotta move on. I'm sorry. So, so we're, we we end the, they're at the basketball court when this happens. This altercation yep. and Spinner's the last to leave the scene. Spinner's, go ahead. 
He lifts up the backpack, and what does he find but Jimmy's iPod? Cue the dramatic music, he pockets it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep going. And that music tells me he's probably not going to give it back, and guess what, he doesn't. No, so Jimmy, in next time he's in a class, he next he's in class, he can't find an iPod. He wants this, to play Marco the new kid Elric. This is scary, too, because, like, his reaction is to throw the backpack against the wall, and he's kind of far away from that wall. He easily could have hit somebody. Yeah. It. He's very physical in this, and once again, oh, wow, your black boy character is super physical and violent. Huh. What do you know, Degrassi writers? It really made me uncomfortable, and, like, people are scared when he's violent, too, in this episode. Like, not very obviously, but people are, like, uncomfortable when he fucking chucks a backpack against the wall. And, like, I get that they're supposed to show that he's careless about his items because he has so many of them and that he, you know, is more affluent so he can see them as replaceable, but you can easily show that. Like, you could have had him, like, crease his shoes and be like, oh damn, like, oh, no, like, you know, now I have a crease in my sneakers. I'll try and get a replacement, or, like, I can get a replacement or something like that. Like, you could have him be disposable and frivolous without him having to be violent. Well, I don't... I think there's a lot more going on with this. Um, I think he's maybe particularly upset because even though... I mean, this is... You keyed me on this. Some of his family stuff... I, I don't know if we know this yet. Do we know this yet? Well, his family is not around. We know yeah, that okay. much. Okay, so his family is, is not really around that much. Yeah. So that maybe it might mean more to him than just a material item then because it's something his be father bought. Yes, I'm just saying this maybe him reacting like this is is because it was something even if it was a frivolous purchase, it was still something that that was a sign of affection for his But father. that's the thing, like that's not what the writers at the end of this episode are really talking about. If that no. was the case, then his reaction might be kicking it aside and saying like god damn it, like my dad like you know, I don't know when the yeah. next time I'm going to see my dad to go shopping or something like that. But that would require him expressing emotions which as we know is not something he does very freely in front of others i know and at the end of the day you know i understand that but like i just can't give the degrassi writers a pass when they write jimmy i just sure he's your he's your black boy and you're gonna have him be super violent and like he does he's always physical yeah I'm he's not, I'm always shoving that. people and throwing them into walls and doing shit like that okay and it's just it's inexcusable at this point to me because yeah. he also is violent again in this episode in a later part. Yeah, I, to be quite clear, I have seen him in like two, three episodes. I, I mean, he's not been violent, so I just don't know. Yeah, no, I, don't I know just, history. I'm out for blood when sure, it comes to the Degrassi writers and race. Sorry. Yep, no, that's, yeah. Um, but he gets really angry. He throws the bag against the wall and Spinner's like, oh, like, like, you know, like, who cares? You're rich, basically. Um, well, he gets, he gets on him like, oh, Shouldn't you be more careful with your expensive items? Yeah. Yeah. Fondling, caressing the $500 MP3 player in his pocket. Right. Right. And he's... <sighs> anyway, so I think the next scene we see is Spinner is in the well, bathroom. Well, first Spinner is like, well, maybe I'll buy like a triple five soul hoodie. And Jimmy like gives a oh, really sure. suspicious look about it, which leads to... Where are you getting to... the money from? Yeah. Which... which leads to... We all know where the money might be coming from. Exactly. Which leads to Spinner in the bathroom with 
Sully. Who the fuck is Sully? We don't know. He's we don't he, know. You, you are meeting him just now in the bathroom. He looks like a professional poker player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll assume to be. Yeah. Assume to be. Or maybe, maybe already. Maybe he is. We maybe don't already. know. We don't know. We know nothing about we know. Sully. Sully could be a youth level professional poker player, and we he, don't know. He looks like one of the yuppies from American Psycho, but like somebody hasn't touched him with the Thunderstone yet. I haven't seen American Psycho, so I'll take your word for it. I love how every fucking episode, I'm like, I haven't seen this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bother, it's trash. Okay, good to know. (laughs) The author is also trash. Good to know. Um, so he, so Spinner sees Sully and he's like, hey, Sully, I know you're into MP3 players. How about this? Unsheath's iPod. Yeah, admittedly, like, I read this in the, like, I read the Wikipedia page before I watched the episode, so I could kind of, like, prepare myself for the beats. And I was just like, that's not what I pictured Sully to be. Yeah, right? <laughs> Maybe I should be grateful that yeah. that's what Sully looks like. Because <laughs> if it was the opposite of the spectrum, it'd be a whole discussion. Yeah, like, I feel like, like, season one, Degrassi would be like... Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, so, so uh, just to clarify, Sully is a young boy in khakis, shaded... Like, he's, he's a great like sunglasses, he's wearing, like, a polo, he's white. Yeah. I do want to emphasize that he is white. He, he's, like, he's what, um... I mean, with a name like Sully. He, he's like, I I'm, don't know. He's like, I'm ready to land a, I'm ready to land a plane on the Hudson. Um... <laughs> Good. Good reference. I appreciate it. That I understood. <laughs> I, I got that reference. Yeah, like, that's me. <laughs> you couldn't um, make, you couldn't make a Captain America reference because then the mic probably was like, I'm done. <laughs> it just, like, flopped over right after Frank said that. Um... Yeah, like, I think he's what a nerd dresses like to look cool. Yeah, yeah, with a lot of that. Um, I feel like that's what JT dresses like in later seasons, to be honest. <laughs> Not to be too spoilery. So anyway, um, Spinner's just like, um, Spinner's just like, I got this iPod, you were something you wanted, a uh, kid I've never talked to before in this series. <laughs> Um, Here's yeah, it for 120 bucks. $120. And Sully's so like, it isn't stolen, right? And like, Are you going to buy it or not? <laughs> I, like, he just evades. <laughs> I, I, I said this one, like, because I came in and Donnie and Gwen were still watching the episode. And I was just like, don't fuck me on this. Like, yeah. I can't do another nickel. Yeah, right? And it's just like, only Spinner could be this like, short-sighted in his goals, where he's gonna, like, make it worth exactly as much as the hoodie, as yeah. opposed to, like, bumping it up to $200 or anything like that. Remember, it is a, quote-unquote, $500 iPod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's just... Sure, uh, sure, Spinner. I paid for the I paid for the MP, the uh, the jacket, but I still couldn't afford the tax on the jacket. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, what do you think is gonna happen, buddy? But, um... Yeah, so, like, he's just, like, $120, like, take it or leave it. Um, and Sully appears to accept the offer. And he's like, hell yeah. Yeah. Just meet me out back. I got $120 right in my pocket, but I can't spend it in the bathroom. Yeah, like, what? Like, he, he says, meet me after school. So, clearly, he just has, like, $120 on him. Yeah, like, what is, he's not gonna, like, speed this kid? run. Yeah, who is this kid? Maybe hey, well, he's cl- a drug he's, dealer. No, 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 clearly, he's, he's, he's a youth championship poker player. That's where he got his, he's okay. got to spend money. Just okay. not 500 He's got, mm-hmm. like... He got $300 in his winnings Okay, because I was jumping he's, to he's a drug dealer very he's, quickly. He's the, ch- he's the young boy that Tracker buys his pot from. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he's like, he's like, hold on, hold on. Like, Sean gets picked up by Tracker at school. So, like, <laughs> so 
Sully has to be like, wait, I gotta sell. I got. I got. I got a sale. I gotta make beforehand. This is dark. This is getting really dark. <laughs> I, I had this very lighthearted explanation as a joke, and y'all just went drug dealer on me. Uh, I just think it would be really funny to see this tiny child, because, like, Tracker's a pretty, you know, tall human being. Who looks like Axl Rose. Yeah. Right just, now. And just, like, Sully being like, here, here, here you go. And he's just like, this is good stuff. He's like, you think I'm fucking with you? You think I'm fucking with you? <laughs> I don't know how drug dealers act. <laughs> I don't think anyone thought you did. No offense, Frank. <laughs> one, of the, one of the main reasons is like one of the main reasons I couldn't. I never smoked pot. Was I was like, I I still have no idea where to find it. I'm just like, where do you go for pot? <laughs> like even in college, like my like girlfriend at the time was just like, where do you buy weed? I was like, I don't know. Like, is there like a street? Like, is there a particular dude on the street? <laughs> Oh my god, Frank. Guys. I I did, like, nearly buy drugs from an ice cream van. Oh no, Frank. Because I was like, hey, can I get some chocolate? And he's like, I don't have any chocolate. I was like, okay, can I get some vanilla? I was like, don't even know. Can I get, like, a fudge pop? Don't of that. I'm like... This is a fucking fuck? plot and shameless. Like, like what the fuck this. do you have? Like, shouldn't you have at least some ice cream with the cops up you? No, they only have... Um, malformed Spongebob and Spider-Man pops. That's it. That's They're like it. frostbitten. Well, that was the thing. Like, my, my friend, my roommate and I uh, asked, like, do you have any ice cream? He's like, no, nah, don't got any. And like, we found a layer that we're selling heroin out of the ice cream van. Oh! Yikes. <laughs> I was just like, that's so stupid. Yikes. <laughs> just get some ice cream to put on top of it. <laughs> Um, like, and what are you gonna do if a cop is just like, hey, I want some ice cream, and like you just peel out? I'm like, huh, I should probably look into that. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, so Jimmy, after it's after school, Jimmy approaches Spinner and he apologizes and he's like, you know, like, I'm really sorry, I was being a dick, you know, that whole entire thing. And Jimmy and you know Jimmy is like really expectant during it. Spinner's just trying to speed up. He's like, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're forgiven. Bye, 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 bye. Um, and the whole entire time, like Jimmy's like, what, what? This is the part where like we walk home together and things like that, which was like the most sincere thing that happened this whole entirety of their friendship. I feel like, um, and you know, as this is all happening, Sully appears and Cue Sully stage stage right. And Sully has no he's just like he's in it for this iPod <clears throat> and he like does not read he does not care to read the room. And he's and just like he? Yeah, he's like fuck it. He's like, give me <clears throat> give me your, give me the iPod. I want the money here's the money. Give me the thing. Um and like they establish that the price is like one hundred twenty dollars and everything. And Jimmy just kind of narrows his <laughs> eyes, and he just goes, "Sounds like a steal." Oh! I like. That's 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 one of his perfect like one-liners, and there's one more to come. Yeah, and like you know, this isn't even. In- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's worthy. I, I'll give him that. Like, I'll give him that. Um, my my the funniest one-liner Jimmy ever gave is still like the "Don't talk to me, you slut" line from like season one, Oof. but. <laughs> That was just because I was so like, what the fuck in that moment? But this one was just good. That one was shitty. This huh. one's just good. Sounds like a steal. Yeah, and he's just storms paid. off, kicks over garbage can because I'm angry and the writers are racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like storms off. He kicks it. Like there's an audible like on un- like 
gasp among some of the extras. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable. We're all uncomfortable. End of scene. So, naturally, Spinner actually feels really bad about this, and he tries to make this sweet gesture where he is now working at the cafeteria again well, or something. Well, it's hard to know. tell because it's like Jimmy is ordering a breakfast burrito. He sees somebody in the cafeteria uniform. It's Spinner with um, the iPod on a tray, which might just been him being like, Sheila, I fucked up. Let me behind the scenes again, please. Yeah. And Sheila was probably like, oh, you weirdo. Here you go. <laughs> the heat's on, Sheila. <laughs> yeah, right. So here he is just waiting for for Jimmy to come up and, and order whatever. So instead he gives him his iPod back on a cafeteria tray. <laughs> this um, is in my burrito. And, and he apologizes and... He explains that he's jealous. He explains that he's jealous and he says, I'm, I'm just, I, I really, I just can't afford anything and it made me jealous. Um, but I'm really sorry, you are my best friend. Yeah, and then Jimmy looks at him dead in the eye and goes, was... <laughs> yeah, so and then one ends right there. That's the end, and that's that's two for two of those those sick ass burns. Right, there's like only like five um, scenes of this plot, and two of them were occupied by these great end lines from Jimmy. Yeah, oh, he he says those lines and just storms off. Like that's it. There's no yeah. there's no rebuttal. It's like no, no, this is it. Drops mic. Yeah, it's like really good. Um, so it's it's just. That's it. That's the end of the plot. I hate their friendship. I'm sorry, everybody. I, I don't know what people are supposed to perceive of this friendship, but it's just like they're shitty boys that are shitty to each other. Yep. It's relentless. I think that happens more often than you... No, like, I think that they're it's the... Accurate. Embo- it's accurate. It the, sucks. They're the embodiment of that friendship you were stuck with until graduation. That yeah. is the expiration date of that friendship. Yep. But then yeah. this type of shit happens, and I'm like, serves you right that's what you get for being toxic like (laughs) (sighs) anyway rating for this episode c minus like it just was let's see he gets bummed up for the food fight and just letting those kids cut loose that just is it's very average yeah Yeah. like the only the only thing of note is like our disagreement with the main thrust of the like a plot like other than that just nothing interesting really happens like and it's even funny that I don't care that much about like Jimmy and Spinner's friendship to say like that was interesting it's like no this is the same rote plot like that you get a bunch of times yeah like you could have done so many more interesting things with this like I'm sorry Susan Nielsen who wrote this episode oh my god she did didn't she like this is a blunder because oh, it was just man. so boring and like how about like like these these we've missed two opportunities to have these kids compare their lives to one another like there was sean and jimmy of being like hey like we don't have the perfect you know home life like what what does that mean like for us when we talk about it Mm -hmm. here's another one like you know spinner knows jimmy's parents aren't always around and, like, they're very clearly trying to compensate, like, on his birthday, but it's not handled like that at all. And, no. like, maybe, like, you know, I don't think, sp- like, 
Spinner would pick that up, but maybe Jimmy could explain it to him, and like instead their relationship could deepen when they actually talk to one another as human beings. But instead, we just get this same boring plotline. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm tired of it, and I don't care. Yeah, yeah, it's just very frustrating. And 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 once again, like I will talk more about this in detail when we get to the end of the season wrap up. But like the highs and lows of this season are wild to me because there's so there's moments where it's so nuanced and so interesting and the characters are developed so beautifully and then there's episodes like this and like i understand sometimes you gotta phone it in but like especially when susan nielsen has been able to take kind of like light-hearted inconsequential plots and still make them interesting it's very disappointing that this episode just is mediocre yeah so, so uh should we go to character rankings yep Okay, everybody's going down. <laughs> um, what's like that Fall Out Boy song? We're going down, down yeah. in an earlier We're round. Down, down, in a different round. Anyway, um, very timely considering when this episode. No, maybe a little bit before. <laughs> I did see a Tumblr post that just like bands according to my brother like Fall Out Boy, Fall Out Boy. Um, Panic of the Disco, young Fallout Boy. Fuck, that's true. My Chemical Romance, goth Fallout Boy. That's also true. <laughs> Paramore, girl Fallout Boy. Fuck, this is <laughs> killing me. Fuck. Anyway. Goodbye, um, Tumblr. <laughs> so, okay, uh, Radish going down for being a shitty principal. Um, Sheila, you're going down for bullying children. <laughs> the, like... <laughs> As much as you can be passionate about your food, I still don't think it's cool to bully 12-year-olds as an adult. Mm-mm. It wasn't cool to bully 12-year-olds when I was 12-year-olds. Um, let's say Spinner, being a shitty friend, you're going down. Jimmy, being a shitty friend, you're going down. Fuck! Um, Emma, for hating on GMOs, you're going down. Like, Sean... Eh, staying in the middle, you didn't really do anything except agree with your girlfriend. El- Ellie is still good. Ellie is still fine. Ellie is fine. Ellie seems to be... I think Ellie is safe in this episode. Yeah, Ellie seems to be pursuing journalism and trying to, like, voice reason. So, Ellie's on the rise. Um, Paige, for being able to instill that fear you're going on the rise. <laughs> um, Toby and JT, honestly, like, they didn't do anything, like, abhorrent, so... They're on the rise. Like, no, they're on the rise. They're a l- Toby, a little bit for having a Frank Coda reaction. I'm like, I was going to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, is that it? Oh, uh, uh, Snake. Snake is on the rise. Um, for being a good dad. Like, or tr- trying to figure things out. Even he was, though he was little- maintaining that, that work home relationship with his his daughter if we're gonna call her that at this point i don't really know yeah yeah um and that's hard and he did he did a good job so good for him well high praise from going about snake for once <laughs> hey you didn't he didn't fuck that up so <laughs> all right uh that's about it for me i, I can't think of any basic manny for being supportive on the rise a little bit that's yeah. that's it like uh, yeah this, this was this was emma and radish's show and it was just kind of boring to me yeah. Anything you want to add, Gwen? Um, GMOs are fine. They're good. GMOs are on the rise. <laughs> GMOs are on the rise. No, seriously, though. Like, I mean, yes, I know some of y'all listening out here might not 
respect scientists as a whole, and you have fair reason to sometimes. They're very elitist. Um, I am not elitist. I understand that perspective, and I, I just, I just hope you, you listen and understand that GMOs are actually pretty, pretty, pretty beneficial for for a lot of people, and have no real drawbacks. So, if if I helped any con- convince anybody with that, that makes me happy. Yay! Um, shall we go to recommendations? Yes. Sure. All right. So recommendations: things that we enjoy, things that are adjacent. It all depends on what we feel like doing. Um, to be honest, I feel like I have made recommendations about class in the past. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I feel like I've definitely made recommendations. Definitely go back to some of those other episodes. I'm just going to recommend something that I'm enjoying right now. Um, I recently got to see a production of Fun Home, which um, was something that I always like had on my periphery. I enjoyed the graphic novel a lot. So I was like, you know, this is something I need to do, need to do, need to do. Didn't really get around to, to it when um, it was on uh, when it was on um, on Broadway. So I decided that um, I'll finally do it. We went, Gwen and I went to a college production um, and I was like, sure, why not? Let's go for it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think the story is very compelling. I think that it's a very interesting way to adapt of adaption. And like, if you're somebody who writes or draws or does anything relating to the creative process, it's a really interesting way to kind of see that process reflected to you in a stage production. So check it out if you want. If you, um, I know that there's a lot of local productions of it happening throughout the U.S. I think even internationally. Um, so if you have any access to it, definitely check it out. Worst comes to worst, listen to the soundtrack, do things like that, read the original graphic novel. Um, it's definitely something I've been thinking about a lot since I've seen it. So I was just thinking on the spot because we you mentioned it somehow in, in this episode, Shameless, which is a TV show. Um, I think there's two versions of it. Yeah, there's UK a UK and, and US and version. US version. I've only seen the US version, um, not all of it, but a decent portion of it. Um, and I'm recommending it because it deals heavily with class and, and heavily with um, perceptions of class. And, and it's about um, a family structure where, so content warnings, uh, heavy alcohol use, um, alcohol alcoholism, drug use, lots of sexual content. Um, abuse in general, parental abuse. It's 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 about a family structure where the father, the mother is absent, the father is a, a, a complete alcoholic and does not do anything for the family, and it falls onto his oldest daughter to take care of this family. And naturally, when it's, you know, a 23-year-old daughter trying to raise a family and of, like, three other kids, it's... With drastic age differences. With, with drastic age differences. He's much older than them. Um, their children, it, you know, they are not well off and they have to deal with a lot of different class issues. And she gets a, a rich, sort of rich boyfriend. Um, and he deals with a lot of class struggles with her. And it's, it's, it's overall really, really, I think really good, um, discussion about class and, and how that intersects with a lot of different things and discussion about family structures when there are a lot of, um, financial stresses and how to get by um the show title is shameless about being shameless with what you have to do to live essentially is kind of the theme um yeah yeah it's it's pretty good overall writing suffers a little bit as it goes on but most shows do yeah 
Um, you actually uh, cha just changed my recommendation, Gwen, um, because I was originally going to... Well, I'm, one is going to remain the same, but I'm going to recommend a friend's band. My friend... Um, well... Uh, uh, my friend is in a band called Shark Muffin. Nice. Um, they... Um, it's an, like, it's an all-girl band, it's, excuse me, it's an all-woman band, and they remind me a lot of Bikini Kill, um, Bikini Kill mixed with the vocal stylings of Karen O, of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. um. Cool. Yeah. Like, I, I've always, like, described them as Karen O, um, Karen O, Kathleen Hanna, and the lead singer of L7, like, summoned, like, the perfect singer, and it was the lead singer of Shark Muffin. And, like, they are super good, and one of their songs, Big, was featured on Shameless. Really? Yeah, uh, in the season nine episode, Black Haired Ginger. Um, I have not gotten to season I'm nine. I'm not gotten to season <laughs> we, nine, we, but we, I'll have we to. We stalled somewhere around season four or five. Yeah, about that. There's a, there's a lot of episodes. There's uh, a lot of content. I, I just looked up the, like, I just looked up the, um... The, the moment because yeah, I want to yeah, be yeah. like, oh. yeah, yeah, no, it's good. That's for them. so cool. They're also featured on an episode of Animal Kingdom, but that show has a lot of weird stuff going on. I've not even heard of it. Yeah, so, um, and I'm going to continually recommend until it comes out, and probably after that, um, my friend Samantha Allen's book, Real Queer America: LGBT Stories from Red States. Um, ten years ago, Samantha Allen was a suit and tie wearing Mormon missionary. Now she's a senior Daily Beast reporter, happily married to another woman. A lot in her life has changed, but what hasn't changed is her deep love of red state America and of queer people who stay in so-called flyover country rather than moving to the liberal coasts. In real queer America, Allen takes us on a cross-country road trip stretching all the way from Provo, Utah to the Rio Grande Valley to the Bible Belt to the Deep South. Her motto for the trip, something gay every day. Making, Hell yeah. Making pit stops at drag shows, political rallies, and hubs of queer life across the heartland. She introduces us to scores of L extraordinary LGBT people working for change, from the first openly transgender mayor in Texas history, to the manager of the only queer nightclub in Bloomington, Indiana, and many more. Um, and I looked it up on Amazon. Uh, Lily Wachowski has already posted a review for this. Wow, look at that. So, so yeah. I've already read Love and Estrogen by my friend Samantha Allen, and it's the best book I've read in 2018. Um, so yeah, I'd say pick this up. It's on pre-order right now on Amazon. I'll put a link in the description. Check it out. Yeah, it's definitely something I want to read once I can get a hold of a copy, because it sounds very relevant to my interests. I'll let, yeah. lend you my copy. I already have it on pre-order. Ooh. I'll buy one to support her. Yeah, she is awesome. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, that being said, Gwen, you've made it through. Again. Congratulations. Sure. Um, how can people keep in touch with you? Um, so, if, I'm really only on Twitter as a Twitter user, underscore froppy, F-R-O-P-P-Y. Um, my account's unlocked for now. Don't make me need to lock it. That's <laughs> all I ask. It is my personal Twitter. Thank That's you. It. Thank you, Quinn. Um, if you want to keep in touch with the show, you can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. 
Um, we are in the process of lining up our guests for season three, and we would love to hear from you. Um, we have a lot of different episodes happening in season three. I read through the descriptions of the episodes and rem and suddenly became aware that I remembered like every single episode, which was very exciting. Um, so there's a lot of episodes that we would love to have people on. Also, as a reminder, we are always accepting your personal reflections on individual episodes, Degrassi as a series, individual characters, etc., etc. So please do not hesitate to send us text or our uh, audio files, which we will put into the show, whether it's us reading the text or us playing some of those sound clips. Um, season one and two are, you know, they're very much a work in progress of seasons, but I know as we continue to get into this series, a lot of these episodes are really hard hitting and we would love to hear more from you about your thoughts about them. Um, if you want to keep in touch with us on various social media platforms, Tumblr is kind of dead, but you could follow us at ihopepod.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ihopepod, or you can join our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through a Podcast. Um, we also have a coffee account, so if you want to support us, support our attempts at getting the most up-to-date audio experience, as well as compensating our guests, you can definitely buy us a coffee. We would definitely appreciate it, but of course, no pressure. Um, and... You something like yeah, and if you can figure out how to how to get the the mic situation for our, <laughs> our out of town guests to work, we will buy you a coffee. Yeah, right. Like we will buy you something. Uh, we'll send you an eight by ten glossy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's like uh, Frank and I were back to back with our arms crossed and we're wearing clothes backwards. And I'm like. You can find me in the corner of the picture, like, yeah. making a peace sign or, like, bunny ears. Yeah, exactly. Like, please, please, we will make it happen. Um, <laughs> it just, um, it's kind of, so, I'm going to assign it to, I'll say, dear Frank Ricotta, you're the best, sincerely, Frank Ricotta. <laughs> <laughs> I will take the time to customize it to your name, because I care about you. Um... If you want to keep talking to me about Degrassi or anything, really, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. I don't got a Twitter, but I got another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Um, it's my sister and I discussing teen movies. Uh, by this point, we're going to be deep into Lifetime Movie Month, and I'm going to be super pumped. Relating to that, we are going to be, we're preparing our in-between season stuff, so shall we announce it now, Frank? I mean, yeah, I guess. Um, so, to get us in between season two and three, we decided that we are going to be checking out a Lifetime movie starring uh, Miriam McDonald. Um, so, a little one called She's Too Young, I believe is the title. Um, so. so. Oh my god, like, I, like, Susie and I were perusing the Lifetime movie stuff on Amazon, and, like, those titles are so buck wild. Oh, they are. It's just, like, this one called, like, Bad Tudor, and he's like, she's the shocking image of a girl, da da da, he left at the bottom of a cliff! Oh! So we're gonna be having some fun with that, as well as our end of season wrap-up. Um, we're gonna be recording in a little bit, so lucky us, and if you want to watch it as well to hear some of our thoughts with a little more context feel free 
Um, also, one more thing. We love hearing from you in a really easy way, but we also want to find a way to give back to you. So what we want to encourage you to do is leave us reviews and ratings. Once we hit 20, we're actually going to go back into the backlog of Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Um, and we're going to take some episodes and write and uh, give us your, we're going to give you our thoughts about them um, in extra episodes. So please take the time to rate and review um, so that we can give you more content because I'm sure you are very curious what we're going to think. Um, I'm curious what Frank is going to think about some of these older episodes because our girl Susan Nielsen is on them. Um, but it'll be interesting to see her in that context of the 80s in particular. I just want to see what kind of fuck up Snake was as a kid and then be like, <laughs> how did he become a teacher? <laughs> I agree. Um, so I've only watched it once, so I'm excited to revisit it. Uh, so definitely consider that. Thank you again for all of your support. We hope we can make keep making it through and that you'll be there with us and we'll see ya well you'll hear from us next week bye hey